Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark, and I have Scott Kane and Wayne Rogers with me again. And we have an opportunity to discuss another topic about God's Word. But before we do that, I mentioned last week that we were going to kind of talk about uh, some individual spiritual type things that are going on in the lives of the guests that we have and then some secular I do have a secular type question. It it has to do with the Bible for Scott, but it's very uh, it, it's up to the person. Um, we're going to talk about his highlighting and underlining in his Bible. I've always wanted to kind of hear his process with that, and also want to get just a few minutes uh, to talk to Wayne. Wayne's congregation did something very neat, uh, something that I think a lot of churches in 2020 kind of jump started. Uh, and realized they needed to be doing, but it was a little too late, and a lot of equipment was backlogged and a bunch of things. But, Wayne, tell us about the studio that Eastside has. The Eastside Church of Maryville, Tennessee, we started, obviously, mostly because of COVID. Uh, the Out of necessity, we needed the ability to get online, obviously, and, right. and try to encourage members, teach as much as we could, you know. And, and it was something we were already talking about and working on, uh, but making the decision, we were slow in doing so, and then and then COVID, and so we were already thinking this, you know, in these terms, kind of thinking about what we needed to buy, what we needed to purchase, and just trying to shop around. And we were taking our time, making sure we were doing it right. And then it was a matter of trying to get what we could at the last minute, just so that we could somewhat get online. And of course, some of that started with just our, you know, our phones, you know, just using an iPhone and, and getting out there and live streaming on Facebook or YouTube, whatever we could. But out of that grew the opportunity to, because of the you know, stuff that was purchased at that point in time, because we were not live streaming in our, in our auditoriums, uh, at our auditorium at that time, then we took some of that extra stuff that we had, and the elders wanted to, to put together a, a studio so that we could do either podcasting or videos or, or whatever. And so we continued for a while doing live streams on, on Facebook as on like on Tuesday nights or Thursday nights, whatever we could uh, just, you know, maybe at seven o'clock we were doing, you know, just a Facebook live yeah, and spending, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, maybe, maybe 30 minutes sometimes on some of those lessons uh, just as a devotional thought. And we would have a bunch of people log on, you know, and, and start sharing that. And it was a great way of outreach for our members. We were yeah. doing it on the, church's Facebook page. And of course, you know, a lot of congregations are doing that and have, and have jumped on board. One thing that I think is special and I commend my elders for doing so was the the foresight to say, okay, we need a separate room to, to do this. Right. You know, um, you have this set up in your office, so you yeah, know, right. you know, uh, space is very valuable yes. and, uh, and you're running out of it. Yeah. And, uh, and I was too. <laughs> right. And so we, we made sure that we had a separate room and that way we could set up, you know, for a better sound and, uh, you know, with sound blankets and things like that, and, and then set up, you know, with using good cameras and, and things like that so that we could, so that we have the ability to do so. And now we're trying to set up where we can, we're actually kind of have a plan generated for, um, for not, not really a program, but a series of studies. And so it, it would be something that at any given time our members could take and say, okay, you know, you want to talk about faith. Well, here's a 10 minute lesson on faith. And so they're going to be shorter lessons. And, and so we're working on that now, but all of that grew out of the, the elders foresight to say that we need a, a separate room. We can do this. We'll yeah. set it up as a studio. And so it's been a benefit to the congregation. And of course we hope it benefits 
you know, many folks. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think we're we're going to see in the next 10 years a real push to that kind of thing. Um, I know we have members that are not technologically inclined. I, I totally understand that. I also know that um, every day we get closer and closer to a generation being on the earth that is completely technology dependent. And as we get closer to that, um, the gospel doesn't change, but maybe our means and method of delivering it updates over time. PowerPoint 25 years ago was just really starting to become super popular. Um, now we look at it and it it's almost like many lessons can't be done without one, and there's a benefit to it. And so we see that uh, and, and hear a lot of compliments when I see someone that knows how to PowerPoint. I think now that lesson was a lot easier to understand. Uh, and so I see a big push to that, which leads me to the next guy here who does a lot of great PowerPoints. You can check out the Forest Hill YouTube. Wayne does as well. I've gotten to see some of Wayne's. At, what was the one you did on the frog last year when I was visiting? You remember that? Sleep with the frogs, or it was something, a night with the frogs. One more night with the frogs. Yes. Oh. I remember that lesson. Which is an old sermon that hey. I stole from somebody. So. Well, they're probably <laughs> not alive to remember. No, <laughs> but it was a great lesson, and the PowerPoint just had this big old like tree frog on it. And I remember saying, what are you preaching on this morning? But it stuck <laughs> with me. And so there's there's that importance of being able to remember things. Speaking of remembering things, when you want to underline in your Bible Maybe you've been wondering, where do I start? What do I buy? What do I do? Boy, do I have a treat right now for you. Scott Kane is a man after my own heart when it comes to underlining. Uh, I love watching his Bible as he opens it and sees all the different, seeing all of the different things that he does. So, Scott, talk for just about a minute or two about what pens you've used, uh, maybe a, a method. If you want to take a passage that you've highlighted and tell us what it, how you've done it, that'd be great. Well, of course, when you get started, oftentimes you're just underlining one word in a verse and trying to put a note, but before long you find yourself underlining multiple words and thinking, hmm, I need to distinguish between this thought and that thought, right. this color and that color. Um, color coding is great, and you want to use pens that will not bleed through the paper. Sometimes you'll want to use something that's a little thicker. Sometimes you want to use something a little thinner so that you can uh, get the most words into a small space. Uh, I found that the I personally like the Pixma Micron pens. I'll yeah. use the the zero five size for underlining. Uh, I will use the zero zero five size for writing and for words. And um, found some markers, uh, highlighters that I, I like and enjoy. But that being said, just find some highlighters that do not bleed. And when you've got highlighters, you've got things to underline and mark, you choose a color for a different idea. Uh, and in different books, you might use different colors for different things. Over the course of the entire Bible, I'll use the color purple to denote what God is doing. Mm. So that when I look at a passage, I can see where God is in that. Interestingly, it's amazing to look at the passages where there is no purple mm. and to see what's happening at those times. The latter chapters of Judges would be a great example. Right. God's not mentioned. God's not there uh, for the most part. And look how bad things are getting. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, things such as that, or I get to the book of Isaiah and start highlighting like Babylon and see how often it occurs. But in different books, find different themes that stand out and start marking them. And then you're able to look visually and uh, different patterns will emerge that you never saw before. But once you've got them marked, they just pop out. Yeah. Well, and that's something, it, it's very interesting. You're dead on. I've got a couple Bibles on the shelf over there that um, 
what I would do is, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I would start and I'd go yellow, green, orange, purple, yellow, green, orange, purple. And that Bible now is unusable because it is a conglomerated mess. Uh, there's no pattern other than the fact that there is a slight pattern. And um, that pattern was not well thought out. Now, I printed out something that talks about, you know, highlight blessings in this color, highlight curses in this, punishments, warnings. I, I tell you, one of the things, if if you're ever thinking about something that's neat, something you don't see as much in the Bible, that one on warnings has been so used, that pen, uh, that I, I feel like I'm running out of ink because there's so many places where God says, this is going to happen if you're not careful. And a whole new appreciation for Deuteronomy 28 when you read it with that warning pen, which basically the whole chapter is that color. Um, and yet you get to look at it and go, man, how did they miss that? How did the rest of the Old Testament that talks about captivity happen when he said, point blank, you will go to captivity? And that's a warning. Uh, but definitely, Scott, and I know Wayne Wayne likes to also highlight as well, uh, just wanted to pick on Scott's brain this time. Wayne, maybe next episode we'll have you tell us your stuff that you do. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> if we don't do it, it's because he nixed it in between, okay? Um, What's it worth to you? <laughs> Today we're talking about focusing on other people and their sins. And the Christian life is far better than doing so, but we need to know why. And so the first question is pretty simple. Uh, is it a good idea to be consumed, not aware, but to be consumed by other people's sins? Our society feeds on that. I mean, that's, you know, our news cycles are filled with the wrongdoings mm -hmm. and evil doings and, and bad things. That's, that's what sells news. Right. And uh, so, uh, but our people, you know, I, I think people get consumed. I've been consumed before, you know, and I've got to the point where, I just can't hardly watch the news. I watch maybe a part of an episode of something, and yeah. about five minutes in, I feel like I'm done. I can't take any more. It's just it's rotting my brain. It's it's too much, you know. Uh, but our our society feeds on that kind of thing, and and they they are consumed with it, um, and and they it's so easy to get caught up in in the ugly things of this world. Um, it's it's like you know. That's the same reason that the people, you know, not just slow down because there's a, a cop on the side of the road at a, at a wreck or something. You know, people are looking to legitimize how bad was that car messed up? You right. know, um, was there somebody, you know, in the ditch? You know, did I see mm -hmm. some? You know, uh, we we want to get caught up in that, but when it comes to sins, especially, I, I think you know we're in the middle. I mean, right now while we're talking about this, there's a trial taking place yeah and um with johnny depp right and uh you don't know how it's going to turn out obviously you just uh, had to bring it up didn't I, you? I did you just had to bring I up johnny had, depp <laughs> had to go there uh but what's what's crazy is how much how many you know people are watching this yeah. and just so consumed with just the bad life of two people oh, you know it's it's it, that's that's what's very clear but and and again not not just what's going on around us, but consume with the, the bad that's out there. And that's not good for us. We can get in the habit of doing that uh, because it gives us a way to complain. Um, mm -hmm. We're identifying what other people are doing uh, almost in a manner that builds us up, so to yeah. speak. Uh, so the motives behind it, of course, that can be discussed. But the patterns with it uh, are always going to be a downward spiral. Uh, 
whether you're talking about those that are trying to police society mm-hmm. or those that are trying to police the church. Preachers can get in the habit of only being able to see what's negative and what the brethren do and failing to acknowledge what's going right. And yes, we need to be, we have to be willing to acknowledge when there's something wrong with, uh, say, a vehicle and also be able to recognize what's right. Well, the same is true with the church. We need to be able to spot strengths and weaknesses. But if we only focus on weaknesses, those strengths will atrophy. So the getting caught up in other people's sins and being consumed with other people's sins tends to be a reflection of a personal mentality and an imbalance in a person. Jesus saw the sins of other people, right? but he also saw their potential. When he when Peter came to him, John chapter one, Jesus didn't say, "I'm going to call you a headache because you're going to get on my nerves." He said, "I'm going to call you Peter, uh, Peter Petra, a stone." Mm-hmm. He saw the potential in Peter, despite all the mistakes that Peter would make. Um, and really, when we're getting so consumed in other people's sins, it's because we're so unlike God and acting too much like man. You know, I think about Jonah as a man who got consumed by other people's sins and it destroyed him at the very end of that book. You know, you read Jonah and there's arguments made on both sides. Some, some tend to lean toward the fact that he was running with God in chapter three. I struggle with that one myself. Uh, I I just, I I'm having a hard time seeing that man as running to Nineveh with the intent of just doing the Lord's work instead of saying, I just don't want to be in that fish anymore. And if that means obedience to God, that's what it takes. But what he does in chapter four even if he was doing what was right in chapter 3, is a, is a, just a case study of being consumed by what that people had done. Nineveh was a horrible people. They were not known for their righteousness. They were not known for their goodness. And Jonah was so consumed by that that he wanted them to die. And he perches himself at the top of the city at the beginning of chapter 4, you know, leading into 4 and thinking, maybe I'm going to get a front row seat to destruction Maybe I'll get to see what happens. And I like how the book ends with God saying, and depending on what commentator you hold to, one of the commentators I read said, when God's talking about these people who can't discern from their right hand and their left, it's possible he's talking about children. Mm -hmm. But the commentator also pointed out, and I thought it was interesting because I'd always looked at it this way too, and much cattle. Would you spare them for the cattle, Jonah? Would you spare them for the thing that doesn't have a soul? And that's a that's a death blow to what Jonah's hit, sitting here and saying is those cattle haven't done anything wrong to you. Would you be okay if they live? And yet the children and the people, it's almost like Jonah says, no, they need to die. And then God comes back and says, what about the livestock? And it really shows that God knows something about Jonah because he doesn't just bring that up because he felt like it was necessary to do so. He brings that up for a purpose. But Jonah had been so consumed about what Nineveh had done that he didn't want to preach to them. When he finally went and preached to them, you could make the argument, he preached the shortest sermon doing the bare minimum, you know, 40 days and Nineveh's <laughs> going to be over, you know, overthrown. And then all of a sudden Nineveh says, well, we need to change. And Jonah's like, what? what I didn't even ask you to stand and sing yet. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you guys need to sit back down. I'm not done yet. You know, or, and then Jonah goes up and he says, I want them. And, and you know what? God, just kill me. That's consumed by other people's sins. And that's not a good idea. We, we look at Jonah and I, I've been calling him for years now the prejudice prophet because he took what Nineveh had done, and even rightfully so, being concerned about Nineveh. And he said, no, they don't deserve to be forgiven because of what they've done. That's when you know you're consumed. 
And you can take that a step further. Jonah tells God, is this not what I said when I was in my own country? Mm-hmm. Because I knew thee, thou art a loving God, long-suffering, gracious, merciful. God, I know who you are. I know the description you gave of yourself when you were speaking to Moses in Exodus 34. And I do not want Nineveh to know that about you. Right. They are so bad, I do not want them to know how good you are. Mm-hmm. And that is indeed what can happen when we get so consumed with other people's sins. Is we we so are so focused on how bad they are, we, we either lose sight of or we fail to share how good God is. Absolutely. Um, as we think about moving on to the second question here, uh, we mentioned for Jonah what it seemed to be. But our second question is, why do we seem to be consumed by other people in their sins? For Jonah, it was probably the wickedness that had been done for uh, the, and the horrible, heinous things that they had done uh, that he was probably identifying with and saying, no, they don't deserve this. They don't need to have this. And that might have been a good reason he was consumed by it. But it's not always the case that I am directly affected or directly knowing about somebody. But I find myself... and. Man, Hollywood's good at doing this. Blogs are good at doing this. You will never believe what Johnny Depp said in the trial today. <laughs> well, I've got to find out. You know, you know, all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Johnny and I are close friends, and I ought, to, I ought to see how he's doing. And you click on it. And then you read it, and it's really saying nothing. And it's, well, Johnny said that he wished he'd gotten a divorce three years ago. And you're thinking, so glad I wasted 28 seconds to read that. <laughs> but so many articles are written with that type of what we call clickbait. and they're called clickbait because it's a way for you to click on it. Local TV star from, you know, the Wonder Years. You won't believe what they look like now. Uh, well, I've got to see how they've let themselves go. There's no way I cannot look at this. And then you you find yourself going down this rabbit hole because at the end of that clickbait article, there's 14 others that are like, well, what about these that you want to do? And you're consumed. You find yourself sometimes maybe 10 minutes in going, I should just throw my phone away right now. I should throw it in the trash and just get a new phone and not do this anymore. So why do we seem to be so enamored with other people's lives, but especially their sins? I think if we could do what you just said, if even if we go down that rabbit hole, watching these things, seeing these things, if we figure out I've just wasted my time, right? what is it I really need to be doing in reflection of myself to make sure that I'm taking care of myself in that sense that I'm taking care of the the needs that I have uh, and and being pleasing unto God. Uh, And so sometimes it's literally we're hiding what's going on with us. And so we deflect by doing something else. We distract by going another direction. So we, we do all those things. And yet, you know, the Proverbs writer says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And we need to, we need to self-reflect. We need to see what's going on. I need to see what's going on with Wayne. Right. You know, and, and, and my family, make sure my family's doing what they need to be doing. So uh, I have those responsibilities. And, and, you know, obviously as preachers, you know, we are concerned about the sins of others. So yeah. we preach the gospel, but that's a little different than what we're actually talking about here. Absolutely. And it can be easy to become policemen, uh, mm. whether you're talking about preachers or whether you're talking about other members of the Lord's church, trying to police everyone else. And typically those that do that have some big problems of their own they're trying to hide. Right. Um, or at least a pride problem. Mm-hmm. You th- take a look at Jesus' day and John's day. There are some folks called the Pharisees. They're the ones that would look at Jesus eating with publicans and sinners and say, oh, he eats with publicans and sinners. 
These are the ones that John said, you need to repent. Mm -hmm. You generation of vipers, you need to repent. They had their own sins of which they needed to repent. So, yes, it is a matter of covering our own and hiding our own uh, often. Often it's just a matter of blindness to our own. Uh, And sometimes... Sometimes it's a matter of trying to imitate those that we admired who did that, and we think that that's the way a Christian acts because we've not learned any better. Yeah, I'm reminded of some of the best advice we were given in preaching school is a throwaway line by Brother Bland and Nehemiah. Go down to the plains of Ono. We would like to meet with you there. I'm not going down. Oh, no, I'm not going down there. (laughs) I'm doing a good work. And there's so many policemen. I don't know why I said it like that, but policemen (laughs) that are out there policing the brotherhood and I remember a situation happened like my second year in local work. And one of the members said, are you going to make a statement about this? And I, I sent them to that passage in Nehemiah. And they said, what does that have to do with what's going on? And I said, what Nehemiah said is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not going. I, it's not my job. They're not in my congregation where I attend. They're not under the eldership that I'm serving. And if somebody from there wants to call me specifically, I'd be happy to talk to them. But I'm I'm doing a good work here, and I've got enough going on here that I don't need to go and put my hand in every pie that's out in the brotherhood. And I think about the little boy who had the preacher family over for the gospel meeting or the preacher, and every morning he'd lick the biscuit, mine, 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 mine. And the preacher finally got smart at the very end, and he licked his fingers and said, yours, 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 before he could get a chance to do that. Sometimes that's how we act when it comes to church problems and sins is, no, no, this is my, I, I've got to touch everything. I've got to be involved in everything. That brings me to Jesus, the master teacher, the one whose sole purpose was to come and be involved in sinful people's lives. How did he handle sin? Matthew chapter 7, uh, you know, judge not that you be not judged. And then he talks about that judgment that you give. With that judgment, you're going to be judged. Yeah. And and so, and it wasn't that we cannot judge, but you need to judge properly. And part of that action is looking within yourself as well. And the, the whole conversation first, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to help remove the speck of dust from your brother's eye. Mm-hmm. And so that the idea is that, you know, take care of your business, take care of you, and where you are in relationship to God, and you'll be able to see clearly how to help your brother in his life as well. And in so doing, you won't be a hypocrite. Right. So, right. I'm pretty sure I read in a passage, love covers a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. And love will indeed identify what sin is, but help people to get out of it. That's what Jesus did. He identified who the sinners were. But instead of going around writing them up, he went around rounding them up, mm-hmm. bringing them to him, studying with them, speaking with them, showing concern for them, and having an impact on their lives. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We're to be doing the same thing. And when Jesus has the absolute opportunity to tell people to stone a woman caught in the very act of adultery, and he knew that. I mean, he, he knew that that woman had done something wrong because he tells her at the very end, go and stop sinning. You need to stop being involved in this. But what he said there is very interesting. Rather than being consumed with what she had done and, and biting into what they were trying to tempt him to do, he said this, he that's without sin cast first stone. You guys are so consumed with this woman's life uh, because y'all seem to be so perfect. Why don't you stone her then if you're without sin? 
Not a single person could do that. And he finally says, where are your accusers? There are none. I think there's an important lesson in that, that sometimes we need to take that approach to say, I don't have to be involved in this. I can tell somebody the truth without getting all up in their business because Jesus could have looked at that woman and said, you sinned, you transgressed, the law says you're worthy of death, and that's what's going to happen. Instead, he showed mercy. Uh, Scott? We've mentioned before about David and how so often we'll remember right. the negatives of his life. But it's fascinating to look how at how David looked at other people's problems. Today, we find out about a preacher who has sin in his life or a, a, a well-known member of the church who's who's got a problem, and, oh, we just talk about it, and we spread the word. How the mighty have fallen, that, that's essentially, mm-hmm. essentially how we act. But when David used those sorts of words, he was looking at Saul, who indeed had sin in his life. And if you look at David's lamentation over the fall of Saul and Jonathan in 2 Samuel chapter 1, he only found, found what was good about them. He only focused on what was positive about them. Uh, yes, the mighty had fallen, and with Saul in so many ways the mighty had fallen. But David did not revel in Saul's shortcomings, mm-hmm. nor should we. David was a lot more like Christ in the way that he approached other shortcomings than, sadly, than many of us are today. That's true. That's a sad. That's a sad realization too. Um, Wayne, you have anything else you want to throw in? No, sir. I'm with you guys. Good deal, man. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, so much. Two more episodes. That's all we have left uh, for Scott and Wayne to be on this season. Uh, I hate that because I'm enjoying having them with me, and I'm looking forward to getting a chance to do these last two episodes with them and give you a chance to hear them, and hopefully you're benefiting from them. If you have any questions, check out the show notes. You'll find our contact information. We'll do what we can to help you out. Next week, come back. We'll be talking about a hopeless life. And until then, let's please God now so our eternity is far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network. And we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.